Yeah, 28 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our SMME exchange here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, tonight we have the fortune of speaking to, uh, yeah, from one state-owned company to the next, uh, from ourselves here at the SABC, uh, speaking to uh, uh, Ismail Essa, uh, who's the Transformation Manager for South African National Roads Agency Limited, Sandral. Mr. Essa, good evening and welcome. Good evening to yourself and to all the listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, you for giving us your opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you would have heard the last comment there. Uh, and maybe let me give some context. Um, over the last few weeks or so, we've been having a discussion about uh, business fora. Um, and of course, you know, this uh, phenomenon of intimidation, extortion, and even violence on certain construction sites. Yourselves as Sunral, you experienced that in 2018 on that multi-billion rand project on the N3 interchange outside of Hammersdale. Um, and... A lot of the, you know, the agitation around this is around ostensibly the experience and observation of many people that they are closed out. There's no opportunity for them to get, you know, employment. There's no opportunity for them as micro enterprises to get small contracts to do certain things on the roads. And yet much of this infrastructure passes or traverses through their own communities. So tonight we thought it um, befitting to speak to yourselves at Sanral as a big capital investor in our entire economy uh, and try and get a clearer sense of how small, medium-sized and micro-enterprises, you know, can be part of, um, you know, the value generated and created uh, at the South African National Roads Agency. So maybe talk to us briefly just around your own transformation policy. I am aware that there is, you know, a preferential a framework for black-owned businesses, but also for SMMEs within Sanral that is in compliance, yes, with the law, but even in some cases goes a bit further. Correct, yeah. The objective of our policy is to create the into the project, mm. that being aggregate, cement, bitumen, and things like that. So we, we looked at it on all fronts, and progressively we've done really well on this. So the, the, the current tools of say, the last five or six years came to us a little bit of a surprise because if you look at our routine road maintenance projects, these are projects where we keep the road functional and safe mm. on, a, on a day-to-day basis continuously uh, on our entire road network that, that is managed by Sandor. So here we have, we have a contract, main contractor that's in place and the work has to be done by the small subcontractors. So mm. you know, sort of here you create ones up to, uh, uh, you know, you create fours and fives and they do various aspects of the work. So the, the, the main contractor acts as a managing contractor. So the work is done by the subcontractors. And this process or this type of project has been in existence for more than 20 years at Sandro. And it's continuously working. So the main contractor does very little himself, but he's there to mentor, guide, coach, and assist the, the small contractors in doing their work, especially on these routine road maintenance contracts. So these contracts are a duration of about three years, mm. and they're continuously going. So the one ends, the next one starts, because we have to keep the road uh, uh, safe and, and, and functional at all times. So these people clear up the, you know, the debris from accidents, they clean up the road, they keep the fences in order, they do the, the you know, day-to-day repairs of damage from accidents in terms of guardrails that are damaged. Etc. So that's one aspect of the work that's been there, right? That's sort of from the advent of Sunrock and, and continues. Mm-hmm. The work is, is, is sourced by, this, by the main contractor through 
a tender process for the small contractors. Once the small contractors come onto the project, we then train them uh, in areas where, where we detect weaknesses. And, and these are generally 10, 10 areas that we look at, their financial ability, their legal understanding, how they manage their the, the resources, how they manage their the, uh, uh, finances, mm. uh, and, and how to tender, and all of those aspects that we look at uh, while they're working on our project and give them additional training on that. Yeah. To, you know, so next time around, they, they, they have a lot better chance of getting work and, and, and running the project successfully so that they can make uh, a profit or even a, a bigger profit than they made the last time. So that's the whole objective of that. And most of the work, uh, 80% plus of the work, has been done by black-owned companies. Mm, mm. So, so that's been there for, yeah. for, for a fairly long time. Sure. Ismail, maybe just explain to us, and I like the point you've just made, that uh, first in outlining where the opportunity set is in materials, in subcontracts, you know, under the main manager, contractor, and so on, and all of that. And then, of course, I guess, uh, you know, the preference uh, percentage points. But for somebody who's listening to us now, you know, CIDB grade two, out in, uh, uh, say, Colesburg, close to uh, one of your national roads and so on, what is the process? I mean, do they have to go through a main contractor or are there avenues to access yourselves as Sandral to be in line for an opportunity to subcontract on some of this work? Uh, they have to go through a main contractor. The main contractor will advertise tender in the local area uh, and they have to react to the tender and submit a uh, compliant tender to, to, to win the work. So the main contractor would be the direct employer and Sandra is over there to make sure that they're not sort of uh, treated badly and, and they're given a fair chance to do their work. Mm. And how do you do that, I mean, as Sandra? How do you make sure that uh, all of the other conditions of work, I mean, that they paid on time, that treated okay, the skills transfer and all of that, how do you monitor that? We have a consulting engineer that's full-time on the site. Okay. They then monitor all of this and, and, and upload all this information onto our electronic databases on a regular basis so we can check that you know the, the payments are made within the time they should be made uh, and whatever assistance is required is, is given to them even the training that, that is imparted to the employees or, or the owners of the company are also put onto this database so mm. on a regular basis we can say how many people are trained what sort of money we spent on training sure. even the, the split of uh, you know gender uh, youth and old people and all that. So we've got those entire things in our databases. Yeah. Just out of interest, I mean, uh, how, how did you deal with the issues out at Hammersdale? Uh, the whole, um, I don't know how to put it, I mean, the whole Telangokbona issue in that interchange, which, as you say, you weren't expecting because, you know, you've had uh, this policy in place for many years. Yes. Well, really what we did, we, we engaged with the, with the local business association and explained to them that this is a tender that is, and, and a project that was started long long back. Then coming in there and demanding uh, work at a much higher rates for the main contractor was being paid, and, and, and insisting that the, you know the plant, the machines, and equipment must be hired from them at thirty percent above the sort of market related rates, and uh, wanting to to uh, sell fuel to the contractor at a much higher rate than what he can buy it. Uh, to the normal uh, channels. So it took a long while. The project was, was sort of stopped for seven months. 
uh, but eventually, uh, you know, uh, sense prevailed, and uh, through political intervention of the local authority of the province, we managed to convince them uh, uh, that, that they were doing the wrong thing and, and uh, they should change uh, the things. And we could also convince the main contractor mm. to give out a bit more subcontract work sure, to sure. accommodate to accommodate the demand. Uh, that that had suddenly come. They were already subcontractors from the local area working on those projects. Mm, mm. So uh, these people now wanted the work to be given to them, and, and those subcontractors put off the job. Sure. We said we can't do that, so we accommodated. Uh, it was quite a delay. It cost them a lot of money because when main contractors stand, they have equipment and people standing, so we have to pay for it. Mm, mm. So it was it was wasted expenditure effectively to the country and to to Sandro. Yeah, yeah. So these kinds of. Uh, 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 Demands and, and and disruptions of projects don't come, you know, without a cost. Is is there a distinction between your tolled roads, insofar as what we've spoken about, and your non-tolled road network? Uh, the distinction definitely in our network, which is tolled, is not tolled. But the way we execute the work is is the same on both toll and non-toll. Okay, so in terms of the subcontracts and the obligations yeah. you place on the main contractors, all of those are the same? Are the same, generally. Okay, all right. Maybe then a last question on my end before we let you go, uh, uh, Mr. Essa. Um, I guess, you know, to the point you made earlier on, that the entry point or the conduit to a subcontracting opportunity would be via the main contractor. Um, cool. I'm listening in now. As I said, I'm in Colesburg. I'm at grade three or grade four. Um, and I might not. I might have a, a bit of an informational market failure, right? I don't know where the information is about what bids where I could poten- potentially subcontract. I've just got a CK form, and that's what I have. Where would people ordinarily find some of this information? Generally, we we, we put it on the on the notes boards of the local authority and all day places where they display tenders. Then we advertise it in the local newspapers so people can can get. Uh, to know about it, and we've now developed uh, on on our central uh, website uh, a portal where small contractors can access the portal and see the tenders that are being let mm. uh, throughout the country. Okay, Mr. Essa, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And it's a pleasure. If you had more time, I could tell you more. But maybe that's for now. Well, yeah, tell us. I mean, I think we probably have what two or three more minutes. So, so maybe tell us. Okay. Yeah. We've also started a new a new thing called what we call pre-tender training of the small contractors. Pre-tender training, what's that? Uh, we first start off with numeracy skills. We teach them the, the basics of arithmetic more than mathematics. Uh, how to calculate quantities and develop a work plan. How to tender for construction projects, managing of resources, the legal requirements, applying quality standards, understanding and entrepreneurial qualities, identify, analyze, and select business opportunities, demonstrate the ability to start and run a business, and then set up and manage a construction contracting business. So these are the sort of 10 modules that are all SACO accredited and CETA accredited mm. that people can do. And this is part of a, a large qualification of 24 modules, but we, we're going to train people in these 10, which we feel uh, uh, will be extremely helpful in somebody starting up a business. Sure. A lot of these things can also be used for other businesses. You know, mm. if you don't want to be in construction, the, the, you know, they the get sort of genetic training to start any other business. The objective is to professionalize and upskill these small guys. Because a lot of them have been working in the industry, but 
but never at a sort of management level or a business uh, operational level. So mm. this would help them towards that. And the training comes free. Sure. Send or pay for it. Uh, uh, and uh, it's over three weeks. Three weeks in the classroom, and then they will have to go out and, and find work and then use these skills. So when they're tendering for some of our projects, uh, the 30% said, you know, mm. that we considered mm. all the factors, etc. Yeah. And tendering in construction is, is an everyday activity. Yeah, and it's a critical that, business development function. You can't yes. operate without it. Correct. Wow. Okay. So, so how do so, people uh, sign up to the program? I mean, and how is it delivered? Is it in person? Is it hybrid? How does it work? No, it's in person. We do it in person. Okay. Where? And uh, all over the country. We're going to do this nationally. So the best would be if they could send me an email on my email address, which is essai at nra.co.za. Okay. And I'll pass it to, to the relevant uh, guys who are dealing with registration party okay things like we'll try and share that on our platforms essai at nra dot okay awesome we'll certainly try okay. and share that on our platforms and uh, we we were provided for training about forty thousand people throughout the country wow so uh, we just started we probably just trained over a thousand by now so the quicker you get in you can get this training that will be very helpful if you want to be a contractor Awesome. Mr. Essa, I, I, I sh- yeah, I'm, I'm glad actually we didn't let you go earlier on because I think you've just given us a nugget of an opportunity there that many contractors that are listening to us or prospective contractors might certainly want. The split of the selection will be 30% women, 30% youth, and 40% uh, mixed uh, sort of ownership. Okay. Mr. Yeah, so even going to cater for for that the last second last day of the women's month, but uh, mm. we haven't forgotten them. Definitely, definitely, we can't forget our sisters. Thank you very much yeah. for taking Thank time out you. to speak to us.